0: Hey Hussein Talib here, founder of SuccessGrid.com and the host of the SuccessGrid Podcast. This is the podcast for you to raise your standards for your business and for your life. Hello and welcome to the Success Grid podcast. I have a special guest with me today. He's a serial entrepreneur investor, having bought and sold numerous businesses across multiple industries, ranging from sport bars to SaaS platforms. His professional career started in supply chain management, working in the aerospace and automotive industries, prior to leaving the corporate world to pursue his entrepreneurial ventures full time. He's always seeking opportunities to acquire, invest, and partner. Yujal Vilagabuti. Welcome to the Success Great Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me here today. appreciate awesome.
0: it. Awesome having you. So let me let me ask you first, uh, what's, what's your what's your favorite basketball team? Because I heard that you can do a 180 dunk.
1: Oh, oh yes. Yes. So my favorite basketball team, I'd say, is the Detroit Pistons. So that's where I grew up. And that's the team that I grew up wanting, even though they're not that good
0: right now. <laughs> Actually, I'm a fan of the LA Lakers.
1: So, yeah. Are you, yeah, me too, right now. <laughs> because of LeBron.
0: I, I, I love LeBron James. Yeah. And the time when Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, when he was playing. It was uh, awesome to... to yeah, speak. definitely. But unfortunately, that accident happened. Uh, anyways, so... Uh, uh, let me ask you that uh, you purchase and manage commercial real estate and and small businesses prior to leaving your corporate job. You were doing that while you have a full-time job, right? Correct. Yeah. How did you first get into buying businesses?
1: Yeah. So I first got into, into the business side purely out of this just, just kind of chance. I started off in commercial real estate, and it was just, I think the acquisition side of the real estate got me into the businesses as well. Because in businesses, we're acquiring, we're, we're finding the properties, or we're finding the businesses, we are negotiating, we're doing diligence, and we're going through the negotiation and acquisition phase in a very similar manner to commercial real estate. And businesses, are just maybe another level above commercial real estate in my eyes in terms of the complexity and uh, the number of moving parts that are going on. So I kept buying all this uh, commercial real estate and I would primarily do it on platforms like Craigslist. So back in the day, you know, uh, this was my first purchase was in 2014. So before there was like, go or Facebook marketplace and all of these other platforms. Craigslist was the place to go, at least for me, yeah. to be able to purchase some of these find older owners. I do not anymore, uh, but I still look at it time to time because I my very first business I actually found on Craigslist, my very second business I found on Craigslist and a few deals, even a couple of years ago, an online Amazon FBA business I found on Craigslist. Uh, so uh, it just, it just, you know, is a random place, and it's kind of outdated these days, but it's still a place where some sellers do. You go can you can discover so
0: things just... there, right?
1: Correct. And, yeah. and tricks like I stumbled across know. this. Yeah, I just uh, was looking at random restaurants and bars and stumbled across a pizza shop, uh, to purchase that didn't pan out. And then I looked at a, like a nightclub and that didn't really pan out. It was with a bunch of other owners and, uh, I just didn't feel comfortable with the industry and all these other owners. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to do this by myself whenever I find something. And I found the sports bar and I flew in from Europe. I was in Europe at the time. on business and or for work and so i flew in and that very same day immediately an hour after i landed i went to the bar checked it out i put down an loi and then a purchase agreement within four days got it accepted put down the deposit and bam we were under contract so um at that point i knew exactly what i was looking for which was a sports bar and then we ended up going ahead with it
0: Oh, okay well, cool uh what type of real estate do you purchase in general like you said maybe restaurants uh, mostly or like some kind of businesses like gyms or stuff like that what is the focus that you go for
1: yeah so real estate wise i just to be honest i just really didn't know what i was purchasing and i just bought something but the focus that i used to go on is just retail strips so they were uh, like plazas or retail strips and they would have various various types of businesses in them like a barbershop a clothing store um, candy store art gallery yeah plumbing store things like that So, so like, a retail complex. That I would like a commercial
0: complex, complex. complex. yeah <laughs> correct cool yeah. that's very smart <laughs> awesome so how did you, you started this while you having your nine to five job, how did you manage between the job and the, your venture you're starting out in? Was it yeah, def- that,
1: it definitely, it definitely was early on. So the way I typically do it, and I still do it the same way now, is I have my current base, whatever that is, at the time, my foundation or base was the job, and then I was adding One additional item, which was either a property or a business. And the way I would do that is the first three to six months are going to be the hardest because you're adding or you're integrating a brand new asset and Mm -hmm. something that you don't know anything about. You have to integrate the tenants, you have to integrate, if it's a business, your employees and the various vendors, the customers, the uh, licenses, permits, all these things. So the first thirty-six months are gonna be the hardest. That's where we had to put in a lot more work. So when I'm working, for example, the real estate, I would go down there on the weekdays and show tenants the space. If I'm trying to fill out new units or the weekends, I would go in and get contractors to do some of the work. For businesses, for example, my first, the bar, that was a lot of effort because I needed to get the, the liquor control commission to provide me the license to be able to sell yeah. alcohol. Uh, and I was doing everything myself. I didn't use a lawyer. So I was doing all the documentation, all the attorney uh, violence, yeah. and everything you, with the you, state. By you myself. are
0: reducing that cost because they cost a lot to have an attorney and stuff like that. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it wasn't because I was reducing, it was because I was reducing the cost. But for me, I looked at it as I didn't have a choice because <laughs> I was, you know, I didn't have that much money, so I had to do it. So out of necessity, I was doing all these things. And some of these things I would do during work time, but most of them, for example, my first few weeks setting up the bar, I would go during lunchtime to the bar during my one hour break and work with the contractors, go back at five o'clock after work and work through the evening or night with the contractors to be able to renovate the place or uh, work with the vendors, work with the regulation companies uh, to be able to get everything ready to go. And mm-hmm. I was operating after work, closing down the bar at 2 a.m. Uh, a lot of these nights. So it was it was kind of like a second job. Uh, yeah. But once you <laughs> sure get it integrated, it's uh, pretty seamless afterwards. So mm-hmm. that was my goal. Yeah. Spend as much time as possible and then reacclimate. <laughs>
0: What's the time that you kept your job and uh, your business going, and when you decide to quit the nine to five job? When did you know that yeah. you could quit now?
1: Yeah. So I quit in 2018, at the summer of 2018. So that was that. That was really when I was looking at kind of my portfolio, and I was looking okay. I've got these three businesses and the real estate and everything is providing income for me a stable income from every single one of these different businesses or uh, portfolios that I have with the real estate so do I really need the business and I decided no I don't because it just for me I just kept aggregating these businesses and with the with the day job it just didn't make any sense for me I just mentally, was thinking, you know, all I'm doing is aggregating more and more and I'm not really enjoying what I'm doing with it. You know, I don't need more money and I don't need uh I don't need this job. So I said, you know what, let me let me put this job. I have sufficient cash flow coming in, more than enough for all my other businesses. The biggest thing that I really need is time. Yeah. Because uh because with all these businesses, I I don't have this time and I have this eight to five job that is taking up my fixed time. time. Exactly. And so if you can remove that chunk of time, you can process faster
0: on your business.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So uh, that was my biggest motivation to be able to leave.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's a good choice to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what type of businesses are you looking into
1: now? So right now, I last year, I purchased a small SaaS platform. It's uh, a virtual assistant software.
0: Some people, what is a SaaS exactly?
1: Yeah, so SaaS is a software as a service. So for example, this platform uh, is, I don't have a technical background. So I was looking for something that was already Mm -hmm. built. A software developer or a team had developed this, built it out. And for somebody like me with zero knowledge of the technical aspect, I can go in now with the help of a development team as backup, I can go in and operate this business. And this business was, is a virtual assistant software, meaning if you think of, um, it's kind of like a one-sided marketplace where somebody, a client can go in and request for virtual assistance, and the software, will find them the best virtual assistant on our platform to be able to provide them instantly. So it's, we try to pair you up within an hour and a half and it's uh, all the assistants are on our team. So they're from us, we vet them. They're not somebody off the street that we just grab for you. No, these are people that have been working with us that we subject matter test, they're vetted. They're US-based, college-educated, all of that. So that was a platform that I purchased. I wanted to purchase the SaaS platform as like a portfolio company because uh, on the staffing side, as far as labor, that's something that I will always need. And so I picked that up as kind of a long-term purchase. Right now, the last four or five months, I've really been focusing on my next big purchase. And that is going to be in the technology Uh, manufacturing light manufacturing distribution wholesale that kind of ballpark Uh, and that really comes from my aerospace and automotive backgrounds and so i wanted to kind of tie that in a little bit but right now i'm i'm looking for definitely much larger businesses than i had purchased in the past and so that's really been my focus
0: okay so let me ask you 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 have You have to do purchases. So do you have like investors? How do you finance that? Is it your money? Do you have investors? What, how is it exactly working?
1: Yeah. So up till this point, I've never had, uh, so I'll I'll say I've had one loan and that was for one of the commercial mixed use properties. Everything else, all the other real estate and all the other businesses have been my own cash and or seller financing. So this is going to be the first time on this larger purchase that I'm going to be using an actual loan and I'm going to be using a U.S. program. It's called the SBA with small business administration financing. And they actually do a great, they've got a great financing tool where they're able to provide up to 90% LTV on the purchase. But in the past, I've never used investors and on this one, I will only use one if I absolutely need to. So if it's you know if it's too much, if it's going into the eight figures or something, then you know uh, there's going to be certain situations where I'll need to. Or if um, the lender at the bank is requiring that I have a lot more cash down, then I'll definitely need to use investors. But as of right now, it's going to be my own money, and uh, that's just how I prefer to do it because for me, I've never used. Any sort of financing so right now this is my first time using financing and then maybe next time when i go into a larger uh into a larger asset larger purchase i'll probably yeah. raise more capital at that
0: point. yeah awesome so so you're you're mostly using your own money but but if someone wants to go into this business of buying other businesses how how would you recommend them to start or what should they go for or after before they start
1: yeah, I would really say to grab something on the smaller side and just to play around with it. And for me, that's something that I wish I had done. Uh, one of my first online purchases, especially, was a little bit larger at the time for me. And I mean, everybody tells me, and even right now, this is what I would tell to somebody else that whether it's an eight figure business or a six figure business, the sourcing, the negotiating, the due diligence, and sometimes even the operations can all take up the same amount of time,
0: mm.
1: you know, so why go smaller when you can go bigger? And that's, that's great. But I would say if it's going to be the very, very first one that you purchase, I, I would definitely go on the smaller side. And so if it's, if there's any business out there, maybe you're in an industry, you're in a uh, you're in in the Amazon FBA space already. Maybe you can purchase another one so that you can plug in and integrate with your existing business. Maybe you have a small SaaS platform and you can purchase another one to plug in and integrate. Or you don't have any business, you just have a day job and you want to look into going, going in and purchasing a business. Well, there's many websites, many resources that you can go to to see businesses available for sale and to actually go and purchase them. So I would really look at the training resources, learning a little bit more about how to purchase and where to purchase and then just tackling it. I mean, if you have, you can buy them for as little as five to 10 grand wow. all the way up to you know billions of dollars, right? Wow. So I would just tackle something and, and play around with it and then learn through the process and then buy your next one
0: yeah, but it's a good idea to, if you have some kind of business and you go purchase something similar you can grow maybe faster have more audience stuff like that this is yeah. a good idea especially if someone has the same kind of thing going on so yeah. so because of the things that you have done the industries you got into there are many. Mm-hmm. How how did you manage all of that? How did you know about this uh, kind of things? How did you know about this kind of things? Were you learning about all, all of the things that you needed to learn by yourself or how did that go? Or did you hire someone to know things that you wanted to know for you?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. And honestly, it's over the years, it's just been purely curiosity. <laughs> and so uh, for me, I just have, I think ADD and curiosity, and so I'm always looking to learn about different things, and I think that's that's definitely a good trait to have because sometimes it gets you in trouble because you're not too you're not focused in on one area. But for me, I just love to learn and to learn about new types of businesses, new types of industries. Mm -hmm. So that's why even in the past, all my prior businesses have been so wide and varying because one thing would interest me and then I would see something else and I would get interested on that. So it's just always been the curiosity that's been allowing me to explore different, uh, different industries and different businesses and getting into them. But I would, uh, as far as what you're saying about how to get into them or um, how to learn more about them, For me, in the prior years, I really didn't have any sort of peer network, any mentor or any sort of guidance in terms of um, what to do or how to do it. Right now, I I learned that what I don't know, I don't know, you know. Uh, Mm. And so with that, I've been trying to get myself involved into like an ecosystem. I'm, for example, pretty active on Twitter. I'm in two or three different uh, online communities so business owner communities or online business owner communities things like that where i'm talking to people like us you know like yourself where uh you have a peer network that you can go to they everybody owns this type of business and if as a business owner i can talk to another business owner or multiple business owners
0: you will have the the curiosity yourself and you have the network it's 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 a good combination, actually.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you, uh, you mentioned VA's virtual assistants, right? Mm-hmm. So you have this website called highbyron.com? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what is it exactly, and why is it different from other VA services?
1: Yeah, so the biggest difference between Hi Byron and other VA services is that we really are a one-sided marketplace and that the team that we provide the assistance that you get as a customer filling out an application and and proceeding with it is really the is the team and like i mentioned before for example other platforms you go on them and you have a third party assistant that says hey i'm great I do X, Y, and Z, and you should hire me. And based on my reviews on our platform, everybody is vetted by, vetted by us. We interview them, we subject matter test them. We make sure that if they say they're an expert or if they're really good on QuickBooks or Salesforce or um, you know blog posts or administrative tasks, whatever it is, we make sure and we vet them beforehand to ensure that when you as a customer are requesting for a Salesforce assistant, that you are getting a good Salesforce assistant. And so that's something that we're able to do. These are people that have worked with us on multiple projects for some multiple years. And so that's really the biggest difference. And then also on the back end, we have a project management slash messaging slash um, communication tool that you can use directly on our platform as well.
0: Awesome. So uh, can you explain more about the technology about for, for, for highbirand.com and com mm-hmm. uh, and how how it bears customers with the best assistants, virtual assistants. How can how you do that? How do you match them
1: between each other? Yes. So on the back end, we have so the platforms built on off of Python and uh, JavaScript. And so on the back end, as soon as you request it, request saying, hey, I need a long-term assistant that can help me every Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 9 to 11 a.m. for uh, data entry into my CRM tool. And you need to be able to use uh, Trello for project management. So whatever your request is, you'll submit it. And our goal is within an hour and a half, that you get placed with an assistant. Typically in business hours, that's, that's more realistic. If it's on a Saturday night, you know, it's a little bit tougher, but our software will look at your requirements that you request. So if you're looking for administrative data entry, somebody who knows your specific CRM. Let's say it's uh, Salesforce, for example, and somebody that knows your project management software, which is going to be Trello, and you need to know Excel. So, all those requirements are going to go into our application, into our software, and then find the correct assistant that knows every one of those items. And so, if you request something crazy, which um, is all over the Apple. map, then yeah, yeah, like kind of like a unicorn, and we'll definitely try and find you a good one uh, that meets every single one of those criteria or the next best one that meets. 90 or 95 percent of those requirements and so within our platform and then that assistant will be on your project and we'll be able to jump on and assist you right away so for us we're really all about the speed and accuracy of your request and fulfilling your needs right right off the bat so as soon as you jump onto the platform you can make a request and delegate your task immediately
0: okay so let me ask you there's I, I read that there are two kinds of assistance, some, something you called on demand assistance and dedicated assistance. What, what's, uh, what's, what's the, the difference? difference?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so if you think about the on demand, I would think about that a little bit more as a short term assistant. For example, this would be uh, Hey, Byron, can you book my plane ticket? For my business meeting on Friday morning, I only fly Delta. I only fly the window aisle or the window seat. And here's my TSA pre-check number. You know, mm-hmm. so that's that's a dedicated. That's a sorry, an on-demand mm-hmm. assistant. That's very short-term. That's maybe a thirty-minute project that you would delegate out. On the flip side, uh, a long-term dedicated assistant. This is somebody that's not going to be repeating or this is somebody that is going to be repeating. This is not going to be somebody that's uh, you're going to get a new person every single time because you want that consistency. But this is something where this is an ongoing long-term task that you are going to be giving off to somebody else. Yeah. That you want the same person on your project working yeah, yeah, throughout yeah. the months. So yeah. for example, it's uh, please, um, uh, you know, enter this data in after our, Weekly Monday morning stand up meeting, you know, take down the meeting notes or something like that. And so that's going to be an ongoing project. And so you'll get the same person, they'll be dedicated to that individual task and they'll be with you throughout. So that once you train them for the first time, they'll maintain that. Yeah, can maintain the
0: the, the project going smoothly. Exactly. Yeah. So, how we, uh, when someone wants to hire a VA, for the job uh, what is the best uh, the best way to hire them what what should they be looking for in a VA and
1: yeah have- so yeah for us we have um, on our on our website highbyron.com we do have a great a lot of great documents and a lot of great content uh we have an ebook that explains exactly the best practices to hiring a virtual assistant and how to go about actually delegating the tasks and offloading the work. And I would highly suggest reviewing that because whether it's with us or anybody else, because there really are a lot of mistakes that we have seen over the years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I would say one of the biggest things is us as business owners, we want to get rid of our work as soon as possible, yeah. right? We, we get excited and say, all right, we, we've got this assistant, Let's put all our work off to them and let's have them do it. That's great. But for us, what we like to do is slowly stagger that process. Just because if we do everything right off the bat, it's going to be overwhelming for the assistant and every item that we delegate off to another team member, whether it's our own team or an assistant, we need to get them a little bit acclimated to our systems, our processes ourselves as owners or peers or partners in the company. And so if we're throwing them everything right off the bat, that's going to be a disaster for them and us because now we're having to spend so much time in training during during the initial days or at least initial hours or weeks, whatever it is. So what we like to do is start off as small as possible, take one task, Take two tasks and really work with, with the company owner as well as the assistant to make sure that they are using that first task as kind of like a guinea pig to understand each other, yeah. understand the systems, understand the processes, because every company uses different methods. You know, Some love to use Slack and Trello as their project management tool or Asana or monday.com, whatever it is. And then others just like to use email or they like to text. Yeah. You know, the simple things like that where communication matters. And so what we like to do is really stagger everything and hold off on giving them your entire workload. And picking and choosing the smallest thing and then slowly accumulating a few more tasks until we eventually are able to offload everything that you require. Yeah. And that's really the best recipe for success.
0: Oh, cool. So. So, but regarding virtual assistants, uh, is there a difference between the US based and the uh, outsourcing from outside of the US?
1: Yeah, so for us, all of our assistants are 100% US based. Yeah. So, as far as finding somebody that, um, as far as time zones, as far as being able to understand exactly what you're offloading, uh, I mean, it could be as simple as reading off a sales script or communicating with your clients, um, communicating with your team members, understanding the, the tasks and the requirements a little bit easier, whatever it may be, it's just that comfort of having somebody within your time zone, within your country. And we've got, that's not to say that we only work on US clients, we've got clients over over in Europe and over in asia so we definitely have clients abroad but our entire workforce team is us-based and that is something that uh that was how it was when i had purchased i am slowly looking to expand that because i know there's great talent in europe in asia and all over the world so uh in africa as well it's something that we're looking at so uh eventually we'll expand the talent pool
0: so so uh, having virtual assistant to a business or to an individual that can help them with the growth, right? It's something that they can bring in if they need it. You don't have to do your work alone. So, how does a virtual assistant help in growth of a company or a business?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, for us, we see, uh, for example, a lot of digital marketing agencies. So, these are. One, two-person companies all the way up to 10, 15, 20-person companies on a small end. And so you have a small team, but you need somebody to manage your social media uh, postings or somebody to assist with maintaining your CRM records or mm-hmm. maintaining your uh, reconciling your QuickBooks. You know, s- simple things like that that you can initially offload all the way up to we have a mayoral candidate so there's a a small town where we have a mayoral candidate and he needs he's a one-man shop he has a very small budget but he needs an assistant to help him do research do research on the policies do research on other candidates the city all that and provide that information to him and then all the way up to we have enterprise clients. So companies that have been on Shark Tank, Inc 5000, Fortune 100, uh, enterprise clients that of of course for them it's more maintaining their business. Uh, And and so we have all ends of the spectrum reaching out to us, but uh, surely it can certainly help grow because it takes off the workload for you as a small business owner so that you can focus on the more important tasks to strategize and to be able to grow the business versus working on the business and doing the repetitive daily tasks that yes. somebody else can
0: do. These, these, these daily tasks can be really time consuming. If you can oh, have yeah. someone else to do it, it will be good. So what would you say a good attribute or good character for a virtual VA, virtual assistant? What would be a good attribute for them? One or two?
1: maybe for us we really look at the communication and for us that's that's going to be one of the most important things because we're communicating with a customer we're potentially communicating with the customers customers (laughs) yeah so uh the customers team i mean everything so for us we really value communication and why i say that because we train everybody to Ask as many questions as possible upfront. That, that's one of our that's one of our basic things that we do. As soon as we get a project, we train the assistant to ask and drill down on all the instructions that the assistant that the customer had given. Because we want to nail it down and make sure that there are no misunderstandings, no uh, miscommunications down the road. We want to make sure everything is strong upfront so that we're not having to redo and waste work or waste time on any, anybody's end. So for that, communication is absolutely critical. And then in addition to that, we, uh, you know, whether they're communicating via email or on the phone, all forms of communication, making sure that the project is up to date on our PM tool uh, internally, to start in our, on our platform we are always keeping track and providing updates to the customer. So uh, for all those things, we just want to make sure that communication is absolutely foundational and key. Mm,
0: cool. So so I know that you have your own podcast. Right. Uh, so uh, actually, I love the way you how you title the episodes. You title it as a country like, for example, Lebanon, UAE, South Korea, USA. Mm-hmm uh by the country and then the the the, the, what's the episode is about right right Uh, well what's uh, yeah how did you get inspired to start this podcast
1: yeah this was really just uh, again going back to the curiosity side this was just uh one of those curiosity things because for me i love to travel we were in the pandemic last year and i realized you know i can't travel right now, but I can still learn and I can learn about other countries, other cultures, other, uh, systems through business. So for example, when I speak to somebody in all these different countries, I educate myself and I ask questions on, uh, I don't ask anything specifically socially or anything entertainment wise, but I learn about all those things. And I learn about the people. I learn about how you know employees work together, how the culture is there through business, because every country has its own, you know, hiring process, different hiring culture, hiring mentalities, your regulations with the with the government, and that gives an insight as to kind of the political parties and how how that all works, as well as just simply doing business with investors raising capital for startups, how the investing world is with venture capital, private equity. And so from a business lens, I really wanted to learn about all these different countries. So I thought it was a, a great way to do that.
0: That's a great idea, actually. Awesome. I listened to one of the episodes. I encourage anyone to listen to it. So where, where can people find this podcast of yours?
1: Yeah. So you can go to, uh, on Apple, uh, Spotify, Um, Angami, La Musica, almost every single platform. Uh, It's called The Global UJ or The Global UJ. And you can find that or TheGlobalUJ.com. And you can listen to any episodes on any of the podcast platforms.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, Ujwal, thank you for being here on the Success Great Podcast. I really appreciate uh, your time being here.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for saying I really appreciate you for having me on and hopefully uh, sharing a little bit with your audience and awesome. if anybody needs any assistance on how to buy business or uh, just explore the idea, you can always reach out to me on Twitter, it's at Ujwal Valagupudi, or you can feel free to shoot me a message um, on any one of our uh, podcast platforms. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Success Grid podcast. Please subscribe wherever you are listening. Rate the show on iTunes and go visit the website successgrid.net.